let's go ahead and get get started. And there's Chris. Uh, thanks for uh, everybody to showing up today. It's good uh, good to see the home team, and for anybody that's out there watching, if you're on Route29Solutions.org, you can. Uh, well, if you're hearing me, you're already watching live streams. I guess that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> I've been saying that for a year, every meeting. Why didn't anybody tell me that? <laughs> and for anyone who can't hear me, well, hello. But uh, look, out the door, you know, out the door, down to the right are the, are the restrooms. If we have to leave the building for any reason, we'll go back down the steps, out the front door to the left, and uh, meet the other folks of this in the building behind on the, on the park. Uh, let's go ahead and open up with our introductions. Henry, we'll start on your end. Henry Weintraith, consultant at Express Car Wash. Chris Engel, City of Charlottesville. Brad Sheffield, Albemarle County. Mark Graham, Albemarle County. Oregon Butler, Southern Environmental Law Center. Dean Borsha, CMA Properties. Luke. Lou Hatter, Communications Manager, 29 Solutions. John Lynch, VDOT, Culpeper District. Al Jones, VDOT, Charlottesville Residency. Linda Cullop, VDOT, IT Support. Debbie Messina, Philip Chiquette Company. Dave Covington, VDOT, Charlottesville Residency. Joel Denunzio, VDOT, Charlottesville Residency. All right, thank you very much. Um, next one. Last, uh, our last meeting, we had 20 viewers, 44 live streams, 26 minutes per stream. So fewer people watched, fewer streams, but those who did watched on average eight minutes longer. These, I'm never sure I know what any of these statistics mean, but they're always interesting. I think the interesting part is that people do continue to watch and people do continue to replay the videos. I go look at that every now and then and uh, some jump up more than, more than others. As far as uh, interaction, feedback, comments from the website, we had no nothing new on the provide input, the open discussion forum on the website. We did get 15 comments. They all came into the inbox and they were all requests to be added to the list for VDOT's traffic alerts. Lou had a meeting, uh, a business meeting that I think together with the county and uh, there were a lot of requests that came in from, from that for additional information. So obviously all of those people were added and anybody that asked to be added to the traffic alert list would, would be. That list now is about 500 names. Uh, I got two comments uh, that came directly to me that I wanted to review with you. And one was, when will additional length of left turn storage lanes at Woodbrook and 29th place be known? And uh, if you'll recall, we talked about uh, a commitment to increase these storage lanes first back in September. Uh, we talked about it again in December, and actually when we presented to the CTB in January, we noted that the commitment to increase storage at Woodbrook and 29th was one of the panel recommendations that would be carried forward. So now we've committed to adding additional length 
the contractor is required to do an analysis to determine the additional, what that additional length would be. And that's based on a traffic analysis of not only turning and U-turns at Woodbrook, but the ones that would advance from the intersection that is being closed. The one at Albemarle and the one at Fashion Square to the south. So this analysis is underway. It may or may not be reflected in the 60% review plans. If not, the analysis will come in as a separate package. Then we'll be able to look at the specific distances or change in those storage lanes, not only at Woodbrook, but south at Fashion Square and at 29th Place. Can I ask you a question about that? Yes, sir. What is so mysterious about that analysis that it cannot be done by the 60%? Because by the 60%, you have done a lot of examining. When you do the analysis afterwards, you're going to throw away a lot of your 60%. No, I don't believe that would be the case. I don't believe that would be the case. I don't believe that would be the case. The 60% plans in VDOT's world, in state DOT world, the big emphasis behind 60% plans are right-of-way and right-of-way acquisition, right date. And it's up to the contractor. The contractor is not required to do this analysis for the 60% plans. They're required to do the analysis and take the results into consideration for those two storage areas. The issue for me is I wanted to reiterate that we did make a commitment to add length to both of those storage lanes. The analysis is going to give us an answer as to how much will be added. And my point is this analysis cannot take so long that you cannot do it fairly soon and incorporate it. That's what my gut tells me. My gut may be telling me something wrong. I think it's like anything. It's a matter of priorities of how many people are working on what particular item at a particular time. Different type of people. People are doing the design work versus the people... Well, we're not the contractor. The contractor has the requirement and the contractor is going to be required to meet the terms of the contract. I used to be tougher on my contractors. Well, we're nice guys. We used to let them float around out there. I'm sure they would probably leave every one of these meetings and grouse a little bit about what they hear from us. The other call I got was about the temporary crossover at Myers Drive. And as it turns out, there's still... Remember, we went through three or four iterations of that crossover. And the last one that we did in March... Well, first, the answer to the question is no. The crossover won't permit left turns into Myers Drive. If you'll recall... Go ahead and show the next one. In March, we talked about pulling that crossover to the south to permit the U-turn, but not to permit the left turn into Myers Drive. And we talked about that for some time because of how 
trucks and deliveries might try to access through that area. I did go back on the website and found that we had version 3 in one place and version 4 in another. And I think, thanks to the work of Mr. Hatter, we eradicated version 3 from, from the website. So uh, that's important because we did float these around a lot. Uh, so there still may be old versions out there. We went back and forth several times. We went back and forth a couple times. Help us out. Where are we now? Are we? We're here. Okay. We're what the? We're here. Okay. Yes. And the plan is to remain here. So it's not connecting with Myers Truck. Not permitting a, that left turn. Yes. Just to be make sure I'm clear. So that turning movement there, we restricted for traffic that's going northbound to do a U-turn to go southbound. That's all. The, the turning movements that will occur yes. there? Yes. Yes. And the purpose of that is to take prior road traffic. You couldn't go through. Right. Right. Give them. Can somebody see Jose and tell him? Oh, gosh, we did. But that I'll we. Well, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I like construction. No. I love construction. I wanted to get it closer. So. <laughs> no. But he wants it from starting at 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Not between 9 and 6. So anyway, that that was uh, I'm glad I'm I'm glad that call was made because there there was that discrepancy out there on the on the website. But this is this is where we are. Now at Burkmar it does allow for that. At Bur Burkmar Burkmar permits it in all directions. If you'll recall, we actually added the yeah, ability to make the left turn. Yes. Yes. This one's good. This one is good, and it's uh, it's well. Like I said, we got it off. We got the old one off the website, and the full copy uh, is marked as version four, March 2015. Well, were there any questions on those feedback items? Okay. Um, at the last meeting, uh, we talked about instituting a project webca webcam. I think Pete brought that up and very appropriately noted that we are in construction. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in item A. Um, there, was, um, there was some questions about the disadvantaged business enterprise and the uh, small woman-owned minority-owned programs. Um, because I don't want to make the mistake of getting any of that information wrong, for anyone that might be here or might be watching or might be interested in knowing about the federal DBE program or the state SLAM program, these links are shortcuts to both of those programs, one at the Federal Highway Administration and one at the Department of Minority Business Enterprises then there's also information on VDOT's website that uh, provides the specific applications for the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program or the Small Woman or Minority-Owned Program. And the, the key difference, I think, between the DBE, the DBE program applies to federal projects and there are specific requirements for ownership and control uh, of your company, the 
the SWAM program is broader qualifications for small, small businesses, uh, and then woman-owned and minority-owned. Some DBEs may be SWAM, some SWAMs may also be DBEs, I guess. There's a new program in Virginia that, frankly, I'm not up to speed on yet. It's very new now for micro, micro businesses. And uh, if 25, 25, or well, there we go, Debbie. So we're now But these are these are hot links in the presentation. If you're watching uh, online and you're following the presentation, you can click on those underlined uh, underlined words, and they'll take you to the appropriate link. I think Dave told us last uh, week, last meeting, that the goal is 13% on DB, DBE. In the SWAM participation? Uh, there's not a percentage requirement there. Okay. There's, there's all the contracts require, encourage SWAM participation as much as possible. Okay. Okay. Any <coughs> questions on those points? <coughs> Any? Um, no. Thank you. Now I'm no. Okay. No, no, no. That's right. Mark? Fred? Uh, no, I, the only thing is uh, the trees coming down. Yes. I, I emailed you that. Yes. Yeah. 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 But just yeah. I think clarity of what that means and stuff. Yeah. Schedule for reviews uh, stays the same. Uh, maybe Dave's going to cover this in his presentation, but I believe the 60% RIO plans are today. Today. Well, today. <coughs> so we'll have those up in the next day or two. Yes. Will you be able to strip them out for us? Okay. Can we make uh, paper copies available? I think you did on the. We we did we 
we can. We need to know, that reminds me, if you would like a set, we need to know because Dave has to go through some mechanics to get them produced. We have all those trees we just took down, so we can use those. We can use those. They need to get a little further down the supply chain. But I know we made them last time for Henry and for Mark. And the half size works. The half size, yeah. I'll just raise my hand. I'd like a set this time. Okay. Please. All right. You want to go in? You're good. So one, two, three, four, five. Five sets. Thank you. Okay, absolutely. And we'll, can Andrew shuttle those around? Or, well, I shouldn't yes. say Andrew, but. Well, yes. Probably Andrew. Yeah, probably Andrew. <laughs> I, I guess the only thing that we'd like to know is do you want, what do you want? Do you want the plans and profiles only? There's a lot of additional. The, the, plan, the plans and profiles will show you the curvature of the road and the up and down. Of the road. All of it will be on the website, and yeah. certainly if there's something, if something more will come back. Yeah. Plans and profiles. Karen, is that good for is that good for you? Okay. Plan and profile. Thank you. So five five steps. I'll be happy to pick them up if it's easier. So we're close by. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Okay. Or you can if you'd like. All right. Um, Dave, how about the project update? Sure. Do we have a separate section of the job here? No, we don't. You were going to mention it when you just did the updates, I think. Okay. <clears throat> I guess I'll start off with last time we talked about Lane Corman was claimed to have a job fair not only for DBE and SWAM participation but for local vendors and contractors and laborers and craftsmen. A uh, little bit of updated information on that. They are planning for mid-July for the first job fair and that's the good news. There's actually two planned. The first one will focus primarily on DBE and SWAM firms. So targeting mid-July for that, as we move closer to that, I'll certainly provide information and we can uh, put put that up on the county's website, the city's website, and wherever else we, we deem is appropriate for that. Um, in addition to them holding this job fair, VDOT will be there, our civil rights group, to help people understand the DBE process and the SWAM process. There's a lot of businesses out there that do qualify for these programs, specifically SWAM. But they're not even aware of it. So we can help them with that process of getting signed up, getting qualified, and uh, contributing to that goal. The second job fair is scheduled for late July. These are just tentative dates that I'm sure they'll <coughs> around a little bit. Uh, that's your non-DBE and SWAM firms, your contractors, uh, laborers, and craftsmen. So we will provide more information on that as it becomes available. We are increasing our conversations with Lane Corman about that specifically. So, any questions about job fairs, local employment? Okay, uh, just a little note, maybe for general information. Uh, as you say, some businesses are not aware that they could qualify. The ones that become aware that they could qualify, paperwork is so enormous that a lot of them give up. They and that's why our civil rights group is there to help them with that process. Because that, that has been a stumbling block for a lot of them. 
some of the paperwork. The DBE qualification is a bit more intense than the SWAM. The SWAM is relatively straightforward. You can do a lot of it online. But I've been at several of these job fairs, and VDOT civil rights folks are really keyed in on what needs to be done and help people through these processes. In addition to VDOT's civil rights personnel, the Department of Minority Business Enterprises, that's their sole existence. The reason they exist is to help businesses understand these programs, sign up for them, qualify for them, get certified, and contribute to that goal. So there's a lot of resources in place. They also repute it to drive them nuts. I'm sorry? They also repute it to drive them nuts. The people whose sole existence is to help them is also the same people that slaughter them. Well, that may be the case. The resources are there. We encourage people to take advantage of it. We look forward to that process and to be a part of the job fair there with Lane Corman and to see local, not just contractors, but laborers and skilled laborers and craftsmen be a part of the project. Okay. All right, we'll start off, as usual, with the Route 250-29 interchange work. This is progressing primarily the work in the median with the drainage structures. I'm sure if you drive through there, you've seen a lot of that work over the past couple of weeks. So that's the first item there is installing storm drain pipes, well, particularly across 29 northbound lanes. That was nighttime work that happened earlier this week. Probably didn't affect anybody because it was done at night. There was nobody out there. Similarly, they saw cut along the westbound ramp. Saw cutting is where they go into the saw. They cut the asphalt so it doesn't break apart and make an ugly end product. They did complete that Tuesday, Tuesday night, I believe it was. And again, installing storm drain in the Route 29 median between Angus Road and Hydraulic Road. This is up in the northern part of the project limits. That is daytime work that generally occurs when it's visible so people can see that that activity is going on. Work next week, continue the drainage work in 29 median and relocation of the water line along 29 southbound ramp to the 250 westbound. So that's the primary ramp, the Best Buy modern ramp. And that will be done at night. Any questions on the 29-250 project? Where does the water main line go now? The water line? Well, it's located on the shoulder where they're widening, so they don't want to put the roadway on top of the water line for future maintenance purposes. So they're just moving it over. But it requires a trench along. The east side or the west side? It's in the ramp in the northwest quadrant there along Best Buy on the outside of that ramp plane. So they're just moving it over to widen that ramp. Okay. Adaptive signal system work this week is generally vegetative restoration, planting grass seed where they've disturbed some of these areas where they put the little pole boxes and had to dig little trenches here and there. So working on that and also any asphalt pole patching. This is patching any little areas where they've gone out and done a little test hole and had to trench a little bit across the shoulder or the road. They're patching that up this week. Complete project punch list items next week. The punch list is as they're completing the work, they go through and create a list of all the things that need to be done. They go back through, they do them all, and then we go back at the end of the project and make sure they actually get all the things that we identified needed to be done. And 
Also next week, they're gonna begin planning for signal improvement at Woodbrook Road and Burkmar, this intersection. Um, it's come to our attention that uh, there's some concern about additional traffic on Burkmar and people heading southbound on Burkmar not being able to make a left turn onto Woodbrook because there's that additional traffic, it's not a dedicated left turn. So we're addressing that issue. This was planned as part of our uh, signal improvements. Uh, we just haven't done it yet, but we are moving forward with that. So there'll be some sort of reconfiguration of that signal to provide a protected left turn phase for that movement. Do we have a schedule for that day? Uh, the, the planning and design is supposed to happen this summer. And what I've been told is this fall, they will begin construction, whatever that construction may be, maybe a simple quick modification or maybe almost a complete rebuild of that signal. Uh, it is an outdated signal. Uh, I don't like, we've probably heard the term four bolt poles where yeah. these old oh, yeah. poles that they have to put new foundations and new poles in. Um, we don't know where that's yeah. going to lead us okay. quite yet. This is outside the design build contract. This is done by our Northwest regional operations outside of the design build contract. But in any case, this will be done well in advance of next summer because when traffic's going to be on Burkmore, the whole purpose of doing this is to enable people to make that left turn and not sit there all day waiting to make a left turn. Um, what about the paving of Burkmore from Rio to 29 South? Good question. Joel, that is on the paving schedule this for this year. summer? Yeah, I don't have an exact date, but I'll, I'll try and get with you next this summer early fall time frame but you'll get a date for joel or see if I, well, when we put in the contract right out, the contractor schedules it yeah so i'll see if i can get an idea of what okay. you think you're scheduling and that's uh i think we covered this before but that's is that billing and paving or is that we're at least edge milling i'm not sure if we're doing the whole road or not Okay. We, we usually, on curve and gutter rows, will at least edge mill seven feet outside of the gutter pan to get it to transition properly. But uh, in this case, I think we might have to mill the entire row. Yeah, it's pretty of broken condition in the middle surface. Yeah. Okay. But also, you'll see patching operations going on. In the place where we see base failure, sometimes we'll actually go and pick, we'll patch those areas before we uh, okay. do an overlay so we don't have the same base failure reflect over the surface. Joel, can, can you guys look at the, evaluate the striping on the south side of Rio? Um, as it, yeah. As you're traveling north on Burkmar, approaching Rio, the striping is really confusing. There's that kind of dedicated, there's a solid white line where yeah. we're technically we've, not supposed to be in the right lane. We've already put that by the traffic engineers because one of the requests was that you get down Burkmar right now, uh, you have, you know, you have your your, your through lanes, and then a lot of areas have right turn lanes. We evaluated the whole road for a re, remarking. Okay. What we're going to do is actually try and get a dedicated left turn lane throughout. So, because the right turn, it's slow enough road where the right turns are not really much of a concern. Mm -hmm. But if you have opposing traffic, and the left turns can back up traffic. So, we're going to provide left turns instead of right turns. So, we're going to restripe the entire road. Okay. D different than you see it today. Sure. So, you'll okay. see a. I think as volume increases with this new with this new plan, it will be, make more sense also. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Good. Thanks, Joel. Paving the water wall. All right. Any other questions on depth of signal work? Okay. 
Uh, Rio Grave Separated Intersection work this week, Duck Bank A installation. This is the Duck Bank. It's located in the northeast quadrant in front of uh, Al Mall Square there. You, you've driven through there. You've probably seen an excavator out there, a few other pieces of equipment. Uh, they have started that work. They started it Tuesday, the actual earthwork. 60% uh, plan submittal. We talked about that briefly. We are getting that today, and we will distribute that. I hope to have it to everybody tomorrow at some point if you're available. Uh, we'll also put it up on the website tomorrow. Everybody will have access to it. This is going to be a quick review. We plan to do our review and have it complete uh, before the end of next week. Uh, obviously, please do your review as quick as you can and provide any feedback or comments to us as quickly as you can. We'd love to receive them. Water line and gas main, main layouts, uh, nighttime lane closures this week. Um, this is kind of a surveying situation where they're laying out these next phases of utility relocations. And we'll talk about the timing on that in just a little bit on those different utility relocations. Dave, on the 60% plans, as Mark suggested at the 30% plans, the, we told the group that we would have a bit of a group discussion about those as well. So while we'll get them out to them, we also want to come back, I think, on June the 11th and want to provide them some idea of what to look for, what's, what changes may have occurred, and then we also need to make some time on June the 11th to discuss those collectively. Mark, if that's along the lines. That would be great. I mean, if you're going to have your reviews done last next week, just even a short summary of what yeah. your review was. I mean, obviously, we don't need to get down the details. Oh, like you sure. guys are going, sure. to, right. going okay. to do, but just an overview of the. Yeah, maybe uh, if we put together an overview of the comments that we provided back to the design builder and, and send that to the group yeah, that and we can discuss that at the next meeting. That's really going to help okay. them. We're not expecting a lot of big changes. Yeah. Quite honestly. Okay. okay. I don't we'll, think that's going to happen. We'll figure that out for how, how to manage that. Okay. Very good. Uh, work next week and we'll continue Duck Bank A installation in the Northeast Quadrant. That's daytime work, at least for the time being. Uh, Duck Bank D. Uh, they are planning a directional bore beneath Rider Road. So this is a boring machine. It doesn't really create a lot of situation where we have to dig a trench across Rider Road. We just bore underneath it, put what we need to in, and then get out of there. Um, that would be a little, mostly daytime work, but maybe some nighttime work there as well, uh, depending on the exact location of that, that bore, how they're going to set that up. So questions about Rider Road? No questions about Ryder. I'll, I'll ask. Okay. Um, do we know when the left turn lane, the closure of the two uh, signals is going to happen? Do we have any idea when that, when that might happen, <coughs> happen in phase one at all? Uh, you know, honestly, I haven't checked the schedule specifically for that, but I can check it and get back with you. Because I think that would be, the earlier we can communicate that publicly, I think it is important for those, sure. for those businesses and people that are traveling in those areas to know and have some planning time. As much we'll, as 
we'll nail that down and I'll, I'll get that date to you or I'll just yeah. provide it to you, Philip, and yeah. send it to yeah. everyone and we can. Because we've really focused on the Rio interchange, the intersection there, but we haven't, we haven't talked a lot about when those other ones are going to close and I, I anticipate they're going to close much sooner than, <clears throat> than the actual Rio uh, I'm not sure about that. Well, maybe not much sooner. I, it will be sooner, obviously. We have, yeah. They have to go in and construct the, um, the improvements to make sure it's safe. To, sure. Anyway, it would just be great to get that information out. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Will do. Thank you. Dave, I think you covered this. Um, but the daytime work that's done next week, that's not going to require lane closures. No, no, no lane closures during the daytime. They're working in the easement there off the side of the road. They're far enough away from the roadway to be able to safely work there. So if you drive out there now and see where they're working, that's where they're going to continue to work approximately that distance. In fact, they'll be behind the retaining wall once they move a little bit further to the south. Uh, so they'll be protected by that as well. Karen? So I know we have communications around <coughs> the meeting about detailed um, work schedule mm -hmm. in specific areas. Are we addressing that today? Yes, yes. No? Yeah, we, we are. It's a couple of agenda okay. items. I, I didn't want to jump ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we are. Okay. Thank you. Very good. Any other questions? All right. About 29 winding work this week is 60% plan development. Uh, I believe June 5th is the target date for the submittal of the 60% plans, which is actually just next week. We got a little overlap there. Uh, utility test holes with nighttime lane closures. This has been going on for quite some time, figuring out exactly where these utilities are at, exactly what depth these utilities are at, so they can design around them in a lot of cases. Uh, work next week, I just mentioned the 60% uh, plan submittal schedule for the fifth, and again, utility test holes with nighttime lane closures. Any questions on 29 mine? Let's use that same process once you guys do your review summarize them get them out okay there. Sure. you're saying 60 percent next week all about 29 wide okay all right so it's quite a bit ahead of what it is what you're here in the schedule yes sir okay yes sir owen's been busy <laughs> that's our goal so to stay ahead because if anything sure. happens we've got some breathing okay work more extended work this week up Plan selective clearing of pier locations. This is something that I want to let people know about. There's a, a requirement for the design builder to do a phase three cultural resource study and report. This is a fairly extensive process where they have to dig a rather large hole and hand uh, sieve for artifacts. So they have to go in, they have to clear enough area. This is kind of down near the river. Uh, near on the side of Rio Mills Road, and uh, in order to do that, they have to clear a few small trees, nothing too uh, too big. But I did want people to to know about that and what's going on over there. That's part of that cultural resources work. Also, uh, working on 60% design development for roadway and bridge. Next week, um, over the shoulder plan review. Is that a holdover? I think we already performed here. That's all right. Um, but they will continue the 60% design development. That's lagging a little bit behind uh, 29 widening, not because it's late or anything. It's just there's more excellent <coughs> environmental work to do on Burkmar that doesn't necessarily exist on the other project elements. 
there any questions on Berkmore extension? Okay. Still still. I did get a small update. Uh, one of our staffs out this week. But, uh, a couple things have been happening. Uh, stakeholder meeting is scheduled for June 25th at the senior center. Uh, I'm trying to get that together, so that's going to happen. I don't have time. I'll get one of those for the next meeting. Uh, utility locations are being field verified. Potential uh, conflicts that's happening now, and of course the right away acquisition process uh, for certain parcels is underway. That's the update. Chris, do you know uh, what the outcome of the incentive payment might have been? Uh, you're talking about McIntyre? Yeah, McIntyre. Yeah, I did ask about that. It's undetermined at this point. There's still some functionalist items that are being okay. done. The sense is that a portion of it will be earned, but there's negotiation around the rest of it. Okay. Any questions? For Dave, thank you. I'm sorry I, I, I missed Parkmar next week. Well, that's I was seeing right. how close you were watching. That's all it was on my 60% plan development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, uh, a brief update on the place naming activities, the same sheet we've seen the last couple of, of times. I do have an update on the uh, focus groups for you. Go ahead, Linda. Thank you. Uh, the focus group meetings are going to be held at the library for the west side businesses and at Fashion Square for the east side businesses. Uh, we will have a moderator's guide ready for review. Frankly, I think I'll get that moderator's guide uh, ready to share with you today or, or tomorrow. And the moderator's guide will be a few brief pieces of paper that the people that are conducting the focus groups will, will use to conduct the meetings. These focus group participants will primarily be drawn from a list of businesses along Rio Road and SIRs working directly. It's gotten some information from VDOT, uh, from the business list that Lou had, that the county had, is working directly with the chamber. The schedule at the library is June 19th and June 25th, and on both of those days there would be two back-to-back -back meetings. So there would be four meetings at the library, four meetings at Fashion Square, which I think are all scheduled, uh, Karen, if I understand what they told me correctly, is they have a room for the day on June the, June the 23rd. Uh, that feedback will all come back to us around these focus groups' thoughts regarding a name for the general business area as well as the quadrants. So as soon as I get that uh, moderator's guide and have a chance just to look at it myself, I will get it to, to all of you. And then, Mark, this will help be the feed-in to the small area, small area planning. So that's that's moving moving well as part of the budgeted as part of the communications budget for the for the project. Mark, are you envisioning that at that point, as part of the small area plan process, there 
sort of a community discussion of the, the names? Well, not at that point, but perhaps a little bit later. We're, we're just having to, we're trying to get the organization for how we're going to manage this thing in, in June, so this yeah. time's well with that. But somewhere along the line, there'll be community engagement. I can assure you that. Because we've got to get this, right. we've right. got to get a recommendation, you know, into right. into VDOT. So we're doing well with managing our time. The idea is something will come out of this, we hand it over to the county to go through their process, and that should end in time to be of use to VDOT. Because we're, yeah, I think we're highlighted the, the by, the, by the end of the year. Was the, yes, the yes. That we're the point of the focus groups isn't uh, what should Carsbrook be called. I mean, yeah. you know, but we do want to, and I, I think, Mark, I think SIR is reaching out through the county to some of the uh, what's the right Chilis. civic leagues. What do you what do you call them? Neighborhood associations to try to get some participation from the neighborhoods into the focus groups, but it's primarily the the businesses. <clears throat> Any other issues on that? The webcams. Uh, there will be webcams at Rio and at Burkmar. The webcams will provide real-time access to construction photos, you know, to progress as it's uh, as it's going. They'll be accessible from our website. Uh, VDOT is now looking and is working with the design builder to identify the procurement process and a start date for the cameras. We don't have that yet. I don't anticipate that being too long from now, as we discussed. So uh, certainly in the next couple of months, is that safe to say? Uh, the public will have, and we're going to see this in a minute, the public will have the ability to create their own time-lapse video at any, at any point. As these uh, as these things are collected, which for some are fun to watch, others it's like drying paint for a little bit. But uh, uh, they're also looking at uh, at locations to get the appropriate vantage point. We were talking about a couple of these earlier, and uh, if the vantage point for the camera isn't right, these things are 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 rather useless, and I've seen some bad ones where you just never see anything happen. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Uh, and then at the end, of course, there'll be a complete time-lapse video, uh, I think, that will actually be produced and turned over to, to VDOT uh, at the end. I just wanted to show you one example. This is in the Bristol, in VDOT's Bristol district. And it's the 460 connector, which I believe is nearing completion. It effectively is. It, it, okay. Okay. In fact, if the image you'll see. Well, it will be at the end. Video. Yeah. So I'm going to just wait one minute. So, so as you see, there's a, a photo from the camera. And then there's a button up there that just says time lapse. And we can watch them build the 460 connector. This one's pretty neat because you actually see it come up out of the ground and you see the crane spinning around what seems to be incessantly, but now you see the, 
you see the piers come up, you see the segmental pieces coming into place. I think I saw Henry out there. And then you have then you have a bridge, and uh, so that that is coming for Rio and for Burkmar. It's not for Route 29 widening because that would be one of those projects that you would ask yourself, why did we do this at the at the end? Not that it's not important, but it it doesn't provide the same type of opportunity this does. Phil, can I yes. two, two things on that? Yes. That back up? Yes. That time-lapse video is not the one that was, he was talking about the professionally developed. Oh, right. That's the one that always exists every yes. day on that website. And you'll notice, if you close the video screen, yeah, uh, on the left at the top, there's a date and time. Those are drop downs. You can go back and select yeah. any date and time where there's yeah. a picture available. So you can go back in time and, and look at these. And this is accessible to the public uh, right through our website. So a uh, really useful tool. Yeah, it is a great tool. And like, like Dave was saying, we were talking at the end, there's actually a produced time lapse. VDOT uses those for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'm sure the contractors do. Uh, as well. Does contractor retain some rights to the production? I'm just, I don't know. They could. They could. If they're smart enough to do that in the contract. Yeah, okay. Does, does that become a public document as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it is a, it's a public document as it's created. VDOT, all the ones I'm aware of that VDOT has done in the past are all on YouTube, VDOT's YouTube channel. And they're available in real time. Yeah. Real, real time on the website. Yeah. Probably. And so this will be on Route 29 Solutions. Yes. Is it there? Yeah. It'll be just. It'll be just like this, and 50 days in, somebody could create their own time lapse of the last 50 days. Well, not quite so many yeah. mountains. <laughs> not. But I think the, the, the angles will be will be critical. Like <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. Of what's in the, in the video. Yeah. We we've talked about one north, one south. Or, uh, well, we we talked about looking from the south going north on Rio to be able to see the grade come down and the, the walls constructed and the bridge constructed. Yeah. And we've talked about some locations for the Burkmar Bridge. But what we, we would really like to do is to have the vendors um, talked about a couple different ones come in and say, we recommend this viewpoint. They do this every day. For your project. We'd like to have their input on that before they make decisions. In addition, VDOT will also be taking photographs and aerial photographs during construction as, as well. There's usually no lack of photographs on a construction project. This will just provide this organized manner of the public being able to watch things, watch things happen. So any questions? Okay. Uh, Karen, the schedule, and um, Dave, I arranged these by date for the start dates that you that you gave me. And uh, Karen, this is more detailed than what we had before, as far as the type of work that will happen um, by the by the quadrants. 
rather than just by the activity. And Dave, do you want to just walk, you don't have to get up for this if you don't want to, but just walk through that a bit and say, duck bank, this is what you're going to be seeing, gas main, this is what you're going to be seeing. This water main is the same water main as this one. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I don't know if we've ever defined what a duct bank is. It's just a series of ducts all in one enclosed concrete element so that nothing ever has to be done. You don't have to dig it back up in the future. They pull from vaults. Uh, so, so imagine a concrete box with a bunch of pipes running through. Yeah, yeah. and if, yeah. if one of the utilities has an issue with their line, they don't have to dig it up, they just go to the vault, they pull the line, they pull a new one through. So it, it is a good process. That's what a duck bank is for anybody who doesn't know. So it's above ground? It's below ground. Below. Okay. They're used a lot in Northern Virginia, D.C., urban areas where it's very intrusive to have to go back and take something. So there's a lot of different utilities that will be located in one facility. So in the Northeast Quadrant, May 26 was the start date for construction actual moving earth to install that duct bank in the Northeast Quadrant in front of Albemarle Square. They are working from the north at their entrance, just south of their existing entrance. They're working south toward the intersection. When they work all the way south in front of SunTrust Bank, they will go back and they will switch to night water and they'll go underneath of the existing entrance to Albemarle Square and then complete the duct bank system on the entrance at on Ryder Road in Albemarle Square goes to the intersection. So that work will be completed uh, around August 4th. After they complete that work, they will start gas main relocation in the northeast quadrant. This is where they get out into the road at night. So this is, they go out at night, they dig down uh, along the road, they install the gas main, they close it back up, they open it up, open the road up by 6 a.m and traffic's flowing all day. They come back the next night and do the same thing. That work is scheduled to last not quite a month, a few weeks till August 25th. And then on the 26th, they start the water main relocation, which is the same as the gas main. It's out in the road. It's, uh, uh, as you see there, starting on August 26th and finishing up October 15th. Just yes. curiosity, pure curiosity, for the gas main and the water main, are they located underneath the road right now? Yes. Do they impact the existing pavement to get to them? And if so, how do they get that back additional every day? Yeah. It's a real challenge. That's one of the most difficult things that, yeah. that we're dealing with in this entire project. Um, fortunately, we've got some, some very skilled contractors that do this all the time. If they're used to working in urban areas used to working in D.C. and Northern Virginia and Maryland, um, where they do this all the time. Now, they're not going down and finding the existing pipes. What they're doing is they're installing new infrastructure. Right now, those gas main and the water main effectively run down the median of 29. That median is not a grass median, it's all pavement. We're going to leave those there, put in the new pipelines, and then connect them to the existing. So basically doing like a bypass to the existing system. Now, there's gonna be some steel plates out there. Uh, there. There's no question about that. Situations where you know, they install something, they get it backfilled, and, and you know, 
put down the asphalt, have to put some steel plates over it, whatever it may be. But uh, we're going to try to minimize steel plates as much as we can. We're going to backfill it, compact it, put asphalt down, and uh, have traffic running on asphalt. Ideally, we'd have asphalt down every morning. So. But contractors that do this become very adept at when the clock strikes nine, putting out their uh, traffic control and the maintenance of traffic, coming right behind that with crews ready to go to work and then zip it back up on the on the back end. But that's all it takes sometimes to try, right? Well, it does. It doesn't take nearly as long as yeah. time. But certainly you wouldn't want to be out there placing asphalt and then traffic sitting right behind the roller ready to go up asphalt. But that's part of this process of maybe there might be some steel plates that need to be put in or maybe there's some trenches that couldn't be backfilled and they'll steep steel plate over top of them uh, to make sure the traffic has access to those lanes um, and not be impeded by construction. The lanes will be open, but there'll be no question that something was going on. Out, out there. I mean, as we've said, it's in spite of every precaution that can be taken, this is going to be noticeable, and it won't be a it won't be a treat every every day. Okay. What's what's, what's going to happen when six o'clock rolls around and one of those lanes doesn't reopen? What's the contract well, set? It's going to happen. We, I mean, we all know it's going to happen. We have a very extensive section in the contract. We have a lane rental fee system put in place. The fees for 15 minutes of quote unquote the contractor or design builder renting that lane are extensive. Uh, six o'clock to 6.15 is pretty high, but when you get into 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they're pretty staggering. And that is a big encouragement for the design builder to make sure that they're not running past that date because then we start assessing those lane rental fees every 15 minutes after 6 a.m. But, but this cannot become a habit yeah. that, okay, lanes are for, for rent and we're going to keep them closed. I don't think we're going to have an issue with, with that. I won't say never, but I don't think we're going to have an issue with that with this contractor. I can be sure, I can tell you for sure, the contractor's not planning on renting any lane time. No, it's uh, certainly. We've, we've got so much money in incentive at the end of this deal on a calendar. The economics might work out that they say, you know what, screw it, we're renting, and 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 then get it done. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why they won't. It won't. And that is that we have defined the start date and the finish date that would require the closure of that call server that ride. All this utility relocation work is going on in advance of the tour. So if they spend that money, so to speak, before they ever get to that time period, and they don't achieve that incentive, then they're losing a lot of money. It would be a really big gamble. I don't think they'll do it. But in addition to that, if they do open late, not just is there a lane rental fee associated with that, but we want a corrective action plan to ensure that it won't happen yeah. again and again. I just thought of asking Yeah, a very good question. Very good. It was Mark reminded us many, many meetings ago, things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Do we have an idea, because I know there are probably different <laughs> but how deep the gas lines are and how deep the water lines are to get an idea how far down they're going to have to go to reach those and then how far down they'll have to go to, to reconnect in the easement areas. 
the, the gas lines are usually three to five feet in depth. The water lines, um, it varies, but usually they're in the same proximity of you know, anywhere from four to eight feet. The duct bank is considerably deeper than that because they have to get underneath existing utilities. And instead of going over top of, say, if you have a water line that goes from 29 to the mall, you don't want to put a duct bank on top of that. If something happens to that water line, they have to dig around the duct bank and deal with that issue. So they're running the duct bank underneath all the existing utilities. I think the maximum depth on that was 15 feet. That's, that's quite a deep hole. That's what they're working well, on. I know some of the water lines um, on the mall property are 20 feet deep down more just because of the land they had to go down because of the way the grade of the land is in certain areas. That grade changes and whatnot from the road to the properties. Well, they might be 20 feet deep on the mall property because the mall property sits up above the road. Yeah. But where they're where they're doing that work, they may only be six or seven feet. Deep. It's not 20 feet on all locations. Emerald right. County has told us we, they had to dig a hole a couple years ago um, by the Marriott and J.C. Penney because there's such a change in the grade there between the properties it's way down deep yep. to get to that and then there's a big hole that sounds like one of those situations where deep. it probably started out not so deep yeah 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 one other thing um, and if you've seen what they're doing out there right now there's not a big wide trench opened up they haven't dug down 20 feet and so to speak <clears throat> laid the slope back they're using trench boxes. So it's a vertical excavation down. They put the trench boxes in to keep it from collapsing. Mm -hmm. That's a protective measure. So it may be a deep hole, but it's not any bigger than five foot or eight foot hole necessarily, other than going down. Now I'd have to go back and look at the utility relocation. I was going to say, we have the utility relocation yeah. plans and yeah. give them an idea. I don't recall there being anything that deep in, in front of the mall property. Deepest excavation, I believe we have there. Okay, move to the northwest quadrant. This is very similar. And the dates, by the way, that you see here at the top, that's the earliest start and the latest finish of all of those utilities. Duck bank relocation or construction actually, that's not a relocation. Beginning September 8th through October 1st. October 2nd, they go to gas main. This is primarily to provide, uh, if I remember correctly, there's a, ser a service line that runs down that side of the road to serve all those businesses uh, on the west side of 29. And water main relocation would start immediately following that, October 29th, and complete in the middle of November. Next slide. The southeast quadrant, so this would be in front of uh, Fashion Square Mall. The only utility we have to relocate there is the water main, and that begins October 6th. This is a continuation of that water main in the northeast quadrant. It crosses underneath Fire Road and will continue down 29, beginning October 6th and ending December 17th. Across the street in the southwest quadrant, there is a duck bank there uh, beginning August 6th through September 4th, and there's a little bit a little bit of a gap there uh, between 
September 4th, the duct bank construction of the gas main relocation. And that gas main relocation will begin end of October and end in the middle of January next year. We, in your conversations with uh, Lane Corman, do we feel like these dates are relatively relatively solid? Yes. Karen, does this help with what you were looking for? Well, I have a couple of things that I'm okay. yeah, looking for because and according to this schedule, I'm sorry, I'm just speaking from our southeast quadrant perspective. Um, there is no work until October. However, all the trees were cut down, you know, a week ago. There's equipment mm -hmm. out there. We had an event going on, and mm -hmm. we're trying to work around that. So just, and I'm sure for all of these quadrants, to get an idea of what the preparation work that will be going on, because once this schedule starts, I'm sure that there's other preparation work, equipment um, that has to be staged and all of that. So it's not like everything's as it is today, more or less. And then all of a sudden, on whatever this start date, right. then it starts. There's going to be things happening before that, and that's the kind of detail mm -hmm. to get into. Okay. And the other question, just now that I see the schedules, because we had talked about this in, I think, meetings even last year, that um, we would not have this activity on the property during the Thanksgiving holidays. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, one thing. Um, we blocked out a we identified a period of time. This falls right in the middle. But this is in the road. This is not in the easement. This is in the roadway construction. But that's something we can talk about. Yeah. But one thing I'd like to point out with regard to the trees, uh, that's a little bit of an anomaly because what they do is they get their contractor in there who right. does that tree cutting, and they want to get everything done that they can and get out. Um, and not have to keep coming back and doing a little bit here, a little bit right. there. So ordinarily, you wouldn't see a lot of that lead up work. Um, you know, they're going to come in, get their equipment in, start the work, get it done, and get out and on something. So we can certainly get more detail on that. When do they plan on you know, mobilizing equipment to that part of the project? But I would be uh, willing to bet that that equipment would be somewhere else. Noticed, and I don't look back at these. So, the duct bank construction in the northwest quadrant ends October 1st. They right. probably want to move that piece of equipment yeah. to the southeast quadrant to do that work. So, they're not going to bring an excavator out there and have it sitting there for three weeks leading up to that construction work because it's not making them money to do that. Well, you not take a look at this and schedule it. Yeah, maybe put a little bit more around. Clarification, I just heard you correctly also. You said that but this is roadway work, so when does the work start in the actual utility easement area? If this, what is this schedule for then? This is in the road? Well, the water main, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, what's the point of the utility the, On the northeast part, the, the water line is in the road. Out of the road. That's correct. So for this schedule, this is work that's being conducted in the road and the utility easement. I'm just trying to get uh, No, I'm sorry. So this would be in the. Well. Now that I remember correctly, this would be in the utility easement. So we do need to look at those dates in the utility easement. Yeah. And then, and my specific question previous to the meeting was, so given that, so businesses know when to expect their signs to come down, their landscaping to be removed. Since mm -hmm. we've already experienced some of that mm -hmm. at our quadrant. And how but yeah, that fits into the scheduling to kind of get a we have back. we have notified all businesses of when the signs, if you want to 
keep your sign with dates they need to come down by. Right, and we received that as well. Right, Again, okay. it wasn't the sign that came down, it was the trees, and we had yeah. a notification. So that's the kind of you know, information I was looking for initially okay. when I was reaching Let, out. Let's chat that out a little bit more, and what we, we may be able to do is look at the schedule a bit, put something together that Lou, together Lou and Chris could even use in advance to visit the businesses in these quadrants, or get some kind of notice to them that here's the prep work that's going to be done, going to be started. I think we can look at that. We can. So it's a start at what you would want. Yes. You need a little bit more. Any other questions around that? And Karen will do, will do that. Thank you. Thank you. The next item is, the, is something that um, I'll say up front is something I've been pushing with, I shouldn't say pushing, discussing with, uh, with VDOT that you may or may not have similar feelings. So I'll put it in here. I'm, I'm not trying to preempt a PDAP. Uh, recommendation, but it's something I want to talk talk about for a little bit. Uh, in looking at the signing plans, and having looked at a whole lot of signing plans over 40, 40 years, it seems to me that we have an opportunity to to do something here that's more than throwing open the manual on uniform traffic control devices and saying, well, let's put a sign where a sign always goes, and that we can use the overhead signs uh, in a manner that help to begin to, to not only say, be in these lanes if you're going through, but it says, hey, you're, you're coming into an area where you have a choice to go through or there's a bus there's a business district up up ahead, and so I've, I've talked about some ideas and thoughts that would require a a modification of the signing plan with respect to the location of the overhead signs, and I'm just going to keep it real simple for it now, but generally to and we'll see these on a picture to, again, generally, not specifically, to reverse the location of the overhead sign that we saw in the draft signing plan with the first set of pavement markings that we saw in the first signing plan. What this amounts to is that south of Rio for northbound traffic, we pull the overhead sign back around 800 feet and pull it up about or back about 900 feet for southbound traffic. It seems to me that doing this shift or reversal provides advanced indication of the split of local and through traffic, which for traffic is important. But it also provides an earlier notice of an approaching business district because we're also talking about using the overhead signs to differentiate the through lanes and the local lanes in something other than green signs with white, white letters. So this would be 
kind of an advance notice for somebody trapped. If you're familiar with the area, you're familiar with the area, and none of this matters all the time. But for folks who aren't or might not be as familiar or as frequent, it says, oh, oh, okay. Because remember, people are driving during this time. There's a local business district up here. Maybe I do want to look for a hot dog or a hamburger or whatever it might, it might be. So a shift would provide some earlier notice that there's a business district uh, ahead, visible notice, because remember also the overhead signs being different than the pavement markings, you don't just see the overhead sign when you're there, you see it from a distance, a distance back. It gives, I think, some additional time for motorists to make a discretionary decision and say, yeah, I didn't plan on stopping, but if I can get something here, I, I will. Uh, it retains, I believe, sufficient time still for motorists to make the decision that you want them to make at the transition or the door in, in our speed. And if, if necessary, to add additional pavement markings, which I'm not sure it, it is, that could also be, be done. Just flip to the next one, if you don't mind. And this isn't the greatest picture. If you've seen on the website the signing plan, you know as a PDF, it's a long, skinny little strip, and you can only blow it up so far. I just clipped a piece out of it. This is, uh, this is going north, northbound. This is fashion approaching the split, or uh, <coughs> approaching the bifurcation up near Fashion Square. And with the draft signing plan, the overhead sign is here. The first set of paving markings are about 800 feet away here. And conceptually, my thought is maybe that ought to be re reversed. And the overhead sign should provide an indication sooner of North 29, these are the through lanes, local, and we're talking about adding some more to the local sign, you might say local business district, or uh, and as well as a different color scheme for this sign than this sign would be here. In the north, go to the next one if you don't mind. I mean, actually, it looks, looks the same way. But south, southbound, instead of, instead of seeing the overhead sign here, it would be about eight or 900 feet back, approaching from the south. And it would say the same thing. Well, there's South 29, be pointing down to the, to the center lanes that eventually lead to the bifurcated underpass. The other sign would say local business access or whatever words we're talking about there in a different color. And the pavement markings would, would still be here along, along the way. It just seems to me that It seems to me that absent doing that, folks are may not be aware of an approaching business district and may or may not pay attention to the pavement markings 
and get here and say, oh, here's a local business. We do not want to have. This is a couple hundred feet away from the transition. Right? So, you know, it's just a thought that I've had and have been looking at for probably maybe the last meeting and a half, the last two to three weeks. I've discussed it a bit with Dave. It is, it's outside of the standard box of sign location, perhaps. But I'm not aware of, I have not been able to find anything from a regulatory point of view that says, thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do this. I don't know how you all feel about it, but I wanted to present it to you and get your feedback. Let me see if I can paraphrase what you said. The signs that we're looking up up there, the one that says local will probably also say local business. Yes. It's very important because local is local. I mean, what do I want to do with local? Local business, yes, I want to do something. And the background colors will be green on one and yellow on the other. Or some other color on the other. Well, yellow, I guess, is what's used quite a bit by VDOT for certain terms. So it may make sense to use it there. And you want to position it further ahead so they have plenty of time to get into the right lane. I think that's very good. On the other set of signs, and I think these signs are side by side. They're showing on top of each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're side by side. They're on a joist. They are on an overhead structure. They're side by side. And this overhead structure is being designed for a third one that may come into play with respect to painting the quadrants. So, yes, they're about 10 feet high. Owen, 10 feet? They're about 10 feet high, I think, the overhead signs. These are the big signs on the overhead structure. And as I say, on the other set, northbound, it takes Washington. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. This one, you know, as strange as it may sound, it probably shouldn't say Charlottesville. It should say Lynchburg and UVA. Because Charlottesville is actually accessible by getting on the local lane and getting on Rye Road and getting on the parkway. This is part of this whole idea of this project, that you can get downtown Charlottesville by using Rye and the John Warner Parkway. That's why I think you may want to think differently and maybe call it Lynchburg slash UVA. Because that's where you're going. You're going either to UVA or you're going to Lynchburg. You want to go to downtown Charlottesville where the attractions are, the mall, all this. You need to get out of it. That's a thought. Okay. Roll that around. I mean, that's why you pay me so much to be on this. That is. We're getting every penny for it. No, no. Your conference is scheduled to end in two minutes. Can we tell her to please not end our conversation? There are, I do know, there are some, there are some regulations with respect to, but again, let's, let's go back and look at that. Yeah, I'm not ruling anything out at all. One thing that I would say is that 29 
south, the through lanes do run directly into the city of Charleston. At hydraulic, you go from the county to the city, and you have 250. I knew you were going to say it. I'm, I'm just pointing yeah, that out. Uh, if you travel in Europe, whenever you go to a city, they make sure you go to the city center, not to some place that happens to be within jurisdiction. Well, the city center is always what, what tourists want to see, especially in our town where we have a very alive downtown, the mall and all that. Uh, hey, out there, uh, yeah, back so it's really not Charles. I hear what Henry said. Yeah, I hear, I hear what Henry said. You're not going to Charles, you're almost in town. And technically, you're right, you're in the city. Where is it? How do you get? How do you get to the mall? Well, do we pick up? Do we pick up Lynchburg in appropriate signage at the hydraulic overhead structure? Because I, I think Henry, I think you're right. Lynchburg needs to be represented on the southbound travel lanes. But I, I think that it might it might be sufficient in the existing signage, and it's I think it's going to be changed with the Best Buy ramp being mm -hmm. completed. It might be even more obvious. There might be an opportunity to make it more obvious at that juncture. Which would, which would you need to satisfy what you're needed to post. I mean, you want to go to Lynchburg, you get on those lanes in the center. You want to go to Charlottesville. Charlottesville is, and that's why I also suggested slash UVA. If you want to go to UVA, fine. But if you want to go to Charlottesville, Charlottesville is, uh, it's downtown. I think we're kind of going down the path of thinking of this as a limited access highway. When it's not, there, there's not an interchange, interchange, and no no escape point between the two. Whereas, and and also, I think if people are not familiar with the area, they're coming to Charlottesville. Do you want them using Belmont Parkway? Which is a little more confusing. It's new. Local we, we're doing this whole project. I mean, you know, we, we had a lot of debate and discussion. Uh, this whole project was so necessary because of the parkway and uh, getting to two shots of the parkway. I think Henry's. I, so hey, I think Henry's putting some ideas on the table that are that warrant kicking around, kicking around a little bit. I mean, you can come at them from from any angle, but let's let's let's. I'm interested in what the signs say. And I think we ought to have a, a further discussion about, about what the options are. And to Pete's point, how does that tie in to what the next set of signs say? <laughs> so well, the previous it's, set of signs. Well, yeah, yeah. So that there's no confusion any, there. Any but, European city will yeah. make very clear how to get to the city center. That is where, where the areas, uh, pedestrian, walking area, the old town, whatever. And here we have a semblance of in but, but Philip, but, I'll, I'll just bring it back to what you yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, I'll Whatever you want to put on the signs. Where is it? I think your suggestion makes a lot of sense intuitively to give the driver more time to make the appropriate decision, plenty of time to make the lane change if necessary, and then have the, the lane markings uh, as a secondary yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think okay. that, that makes all sense. Okay. Are we, Mark? Are we limited to just the two pavement markings? Because I think we could probably dig up a pavement marking or two. So e easier than an overhead sign. 
The second one, having it come that late, I'm not sure how much value it has at that point. I think if we're limited to a number like two, it would make more sense to have it be a little bit further up. I no, I, I think that's a discussion that's easier to have than the... Uh, it absolutely is. Yeah. And one of the things that personally I've been thinking is, would it make more sense to have lane markings, overhead sign, lane markings? Because the issue with the lane markings is you don't see them until you're right on them because there's right. traffic on them. Right? So you see them as you're driving down the road, you look up, you see it on the sign, you see it again on the road, and then you know you're in the right lane or you're not in the right lane. But that's just something, and we're not limited to two sets of lane markings here. Uh, as Philip said, that's much easier to yeah. to add in, in overhead sign structures, and we don't necessarily want to add additional overhead no. structures. No. I, I think the overhead signs come first. <coughs> the lane, lane markings come second. Once you've seen the sign, the lane markings reinforce, exactly. oh, good, I'm in the right lane. I'm just thinking, your idea of sort of switching the two, I like the idea of pulling the sign back. But again, if there's a finite limit to just two pavement markings, it seems like putting that where the overhead sign was planned, at that point you're too late. Just getting reinforced and kind of, damn, I'm in the wrong flip, lane. Flip back to the anticipating the good Mr. Butler. <laughs> this is a lot. I think there's room to, 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 talk, to talk about that. What I see here is an opportunity, not that what we've always done in the past is bad, but an opportunity to do something different and think differently about a transportation facility that is more than that. That, yes, I, my purpose is to go through here and I know I don't care about getting off. My purpose absolutely is to get off or, oh, there's something up here I'm going to make. I have time to make a decision to get off. Is anyone hungry? Do you want to shop? There's a mall up ahead. There's a shopping center up ahead. Let's, we've got some time. We've been in the car for two hours. Let's get out. You don't make that decision in 200 feet. Now, in 900 feet, which you're going to see from another what, 500 feet back or whatever it, it is, you have some time to, not a lot, to have a, at least have a discussion and pay attention to what you're doing and make a decision. Just go back up. So is, is it okay with you all for me to continue this discussion some more? I have a feeling it's going to lead to some interesting discussions. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else about this project has been so normal. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. There you go. Dude. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for that. The 24-hour call line. The uh, Lane Corman has set up a toll-free number one eight four four two two zero five five four zero which is a call box or a message inbox uh, that will be um, available 24 hours a day. Uh, that's a call box that Lane Corman has set up for the design build projects. So Ryo, Burkmar, and uh, 29 Widening. 
just as a reminder, while there is not a Best Buy ramp call-in number, DDOT has the 800-4-ROAD, 367-76.23. That's also, that's actually, there's a person that answers that 24-7. And those calls do get separated out by the customer representative to the right blue hatter or whoever in the districts. So a person here in this area for these projects could call the Lane-Corman line directly or the VDOT for road. And are we going to start getting that number out, Blue? Okay. So this was just set up this week, and I gave it a test drive. It's a message that makes it clear that it's for these three projects and says that calls will be returned within one business day. And I didn't test drive the VDOT toll-free because I've done that before. That is up and running. Could there be any reporting out on what, to this group, what you're seeing or hearing as far as numbers of calls or types of calls? Yeah, we could do that, Chris, could we? Yeah, we're keeping a call log. Yeah, you're going to keep a log of what you got. It'll have the name, phone number of the person that called, the message that was left, the title. I don't think we need their personal information. Yeah, yeah, no, we won't. We're going to put that on the Internet. All that. Sure. Just like you do with the website. Right, right. It's kind of interesting to see what kind of concerns we're hearing. Yeah. You want that information in time for your bi-weekly meeting? Yeah, I'll give you a shout, and we'll just get a summary, a summary of issues, not even where we've had persons' names, we've never, maybe with one exception one time, we, I think Jim Plotkin specifically asked for something to be shared with the group. Okay. And Lou, I don't know if you've got, have you gotten anything through? I haven't. I've got one call from the customer service center months ago from somebody who was routing. Yeah. Um, and, and that number, 804 Road, is good for any, any. VDOT yeah. issue. If anybody needs grass cut or potholes patched or whatever, um, they, you call that number and the customer <laughs> service representatives there will route that work request to the appropriate VDOT okay. work unit. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Luke, you brought up a point. Should I ask now? About the grass cutting company. Oh yes, you should. <coughs> the Jones just told, told me he's going to schedule the mowing in the easements, right? <laughs> yes, that's yes. our responsibility. He does yes. retain that responsibility for mowing those easements. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a legitimate question because there was yes, ongoing is. construction in yeah. various places where you probably don't want our landscaping companies or employees around the equipment anyway. Which is part of the reason why we. Retain that responsibility for that's that little piece of the contract you pulled out yes. for, for me. It's yeah. in the contract. We do retain that responsibility. Okay. So one eight hundred four row. Uh, Joel's when it gets Joel's cell phone number. Got it. <laughs> He'll get his mower out. I've got a mower on site. You can use ours. All right. Any available any questions here? Okay. Uh, I don't have any new business. Uh, Wrap up, Pete? Okay. Morgan? Brad? No. Chris? No. Karen? Uh, one thought. 
about uh, what Karen requested, um, mm -hmm. you know, like updates, like a week in advance when somebody's going to do something. And I know how construction jobs go and how weather impacts. One thing that may be interesting is to make sure that either 24 hours in advance or 48 hours in advance, the manager of the local business where the work is going to be performed in front of the property gets contacted so that they can, you know, know something's going to happen within a day or two and uh, get prepared if they have to get or just say, thank you so much. Go ahead. Okay. As we're talking about that schedule and how that might work out as part of lose communications duties here. Let's we'll, yeah, we'll talk. The manager on the side would need to know because mm -hmm. you have to schedule these people different. You may have, mm -hmm. like in her case, she had this exhibit going on, right? Uh, so that okay. they can at least make some quick uh, arrangements internally in their business work around the problem. It's a very reasonable request. We'll certainly do that. Yeah. Well, one thing that I would ask is, um, and Karen, this event that was at the mall, um, honestly, we didn't understand the scope of what it was. And if you, the more you can communicate with us, the better we'll understand it. We certainly want to work with you in every way that we can. The design builder does. Um, I think when they found out that there was a conflict there, they were notified and just pulled their equipment out, didn't do any more work in there for the weekend, let the, let the event occur. I mean, that's the objective here is to have minimal impact as we possibly can. So the more information, if you have something coming up, if you can please just communicate that to us and, and we'll do the best we can to work around it, not impact it. So, I mean, that was a big event. It was a lot of to us how, how big it was a ground tent sale, auto sale. We've been out there for 34 years. 34 years. Uh, yeah. Memorial Day weekend. So. Okay. We will keep that in mind. They're going to count the same weekend. We will not be there for 30, 34 years. We no. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know it. <laughs> Something will have gone terribly wrong. Uh, okay. I think the next meeting is June the 11th. So. We'll see you then. Linda, thank you. And thank you guys. Take care.